0: Go blue. Go blue, baby. So I have to ask you, do we win the national championship? What's your what's your pick?
1: Uh I like our odds. I mean, I know that our uh Georgia dogs listeners are like rolling their eyes as I say that. But um, you know, I was just grateful I had the chance to go to the Big Ten championship in Indy and you know, sad we're going to be without quorum, but we have a lot of weapons. I think we're tough out.
0: Okay, I agree. Plus, they I'm... still
1: got Georgia's got to beat Ohio State.
0: Does Georgia, well, that's not the question I asked. I asked if we're. I don't care about the anyone else. I asked if we're going to win one game at a time, Conrad. Well, so, bigger question: Would you prefer to face Georgia or Ohio in the final? You know, this was this was the question of the weekend. Yeah,
1: and. The logical pick is to play Ohio State, right? We beat them yeah. once. It is really hard to beat the same team twice in a season though. But I don't I look at Georgia and I'm like Georgia's the team to beat. Agreed. And so if Ohio State can knock them off, we've already proven we can beat Ohio State, so that's my And and I think also just like the uh the fanfare around the game being the national championship, I mean how exciting would that be?
0: That would be. That would be. All right. Moving on from Conrad and Gee talking about the glory that is Michigan football right now. And and uh, happy holidays to all of you. I'm going to ditch my uh, Santa hat for those of you watching uh, on Vibe. I am video. not ditching my hat. Don't, don't ditch your hat. Uh, as usual, we're going to start with the news. There's a lot of really interesting news coming out. And, and I believe this might be the most impactful content that we talk about all year. Rise of the Machines is AI... Taking over your marketing. And I think Guy and I have slightly different perspectives on this, so stay tuned. And finally, and and kind of along with that theme, is your law firm becoming a media company? And with that, not hail to the victors, but
1: let's get that money making the world go round. Money makes
0: the world go round. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for
2: your legal practice, here on Legal Talk Network.
0: Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. We have an amazing show ready for you, but first, we're going to start with, as usual, the news. So the big news that hit all of the nerdy nerd nerd people was the real huge explosion of chat GPT. This is not another widget you're going to throw on your website to get people to chat with you instead of call you and turn into consults. Uh, this is something entirely new. We're getting big on AI and stay tuned after the ad break for a long conversation about deep fake marketing and how content is or is not going to change. That includes magic avatars. Right. So lots of stuff. You're seeing lots of people posting their pictures as in the guise of Star Wars. Right. So that's coming out. Google announced infinite scroll. I pounced on the opportunity to announce to everyone that every single one of my clients is now ranking on page one. I did get a couple of congratulations. Really nice
1: job. <laughs> yeah, nice job, man.
0: I got a couple of congratulations on that from people who I'm assuming did not understand the irony of my comments. Google also announced helpful content part two rolling out. If you haven't had enough of Google algorithm updates, what would a news segment be without a Google algo update? That is coming right now. Guy, can you talk about what's going on with Tech Show and Startup Alley?
1: Yes, the application process is open for Startup Alley. So if you're a legal tech entrepreneur or if you're a lawyer who is an aspiring legal tech entrepreneur, this is a great opportunity to showcase your product as well as win some money, as well as meet a lot of the movers and shakers in the legal tech community. So check out Startup Alley. It's uh, the kickoff event for Tech Show, which also, if you're on the fence about going to Tech Show, shout out to the new solo podcast with Adriana Linares. We did an episode talking networking, marketing, and Tech Show. We'll be sure to drop a link to that. And registration is officially open for Tech Show. So if you are making your plans for March, now's the time to do it. And uh, you, know, you, can get your C- you can write your CLE expenses off in 2022 if you do that
0: before the end of the year. And if you want more of Conrad and Guy in person, we're doing a segment together at Tech Show. Be good.
1: We are. That's a good point, Conrad. Come see Gee and Conrad live. Heckle us and uh, bring your tough marketing questions. And in fact, I think... One of our conversations will be related to what we're talking about today, but no more about that. We gotta take a break. Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads. CallRail tells you which
0: channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com lunchhour lunch hour now and try it for free.
2: If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at legaltalknetwork.com. We'll see you there.
1: And we are back and we are talking about artificial intelligence. Now, you know, I think we have to be pretty specific about how we are talking about artificial intelligence here because we're not yet quite at the general artificial intelligence replacing lawyers, but essentially why this is coming up particularly right now is, as Conrad mentioned in the news, if you're on the internet, you probably saw something about this chat GPT thing. So Conrad, why don't you take a second and tell us what chat GPT is?
0: So first off, very, very generally, chat GPT is, if you can imagine... That you wanted to write an article about how to talk to your kids about divorce in the style of, let's say, Shakespeare. Very quickly, that content would come back to you. Now, it is based on human input to guide and improve the quality of what comes back. And if you don't believe me that this is truly astounding, go do that. Like, go, I haven't done the divorce in the style of Shakespeare, but like, try it it is very, very, very impressive. And my, my first two thoughts when I first got my hands on this were, one, are my kids ever going to write their essays ever again? I mean, this is a 30-second answer to the 2,000-word essay to talk about uh, the social implications of Lord of the Flies as it pertains to the Ukrainian conflict. If you want something like that, done, right? The end of writing, the end of human writing is upon us. It is pretty amazing. I will go so far, and Guy's going to give a bit more of a um, cynical view on this, but I genuinely believe that this is a disruptor to Google and search the way we know it, both in terms of behavior of consumers, as well as Google is really going to have to think about how they deal with AI-generated content. And I also thought, you know the other thing I thought about? You and I are both very good friends with John Reed. We are good friends. We we spend a lot of our clients' money generating content. Alan Watson also does an amazing job generating content. I'll shout those guys out, but like I wouldn't want to be sitting in their chair right now. Gee, can you give a bit of a counterpoint on why, especially legal content that's done through AI may be problematic?
1: Yes. John Reed and Alan Watson have nothing to worry about. This is the rise of the artificial intelligence spam. So a couple things here. First of all, this isn't new. Jarvis AI has been spinning out content. You know, I remember, you know what reminds me of too, the AI nerds are going to hate this, but it makes me harken back to unique article wizard and spinning content, which is not the same as that. But the point in the context of marketing and search, and you mentioned Google's got a helpful content update Believe me, this is not new to Google. And I think Google is interested in the rise of AI-generated spam. But number one, go ahead and try to take your example of breaking down what the state of Michigan's laws are about child custody and type that into chat GPT and see what you get. And, And guess what, lawyers? The lawyers that are emailing me about wanting to put this all over your site, you know, at the very least, you better have someone editing it. And that's kind of my thing because could it play a role? For sure, it could. Is it ready for just open API to my back of my website and start pumping out articles and posts? No, it is not. It needs review, especially in the legal context. And again, you know, I'm the big haterade of all signals but links. And I'll tell you, you can go ahead. I I promise you, if you just start churning out, you know, you you take a uh demand media approach where you're just firing out <laughs> new pages yeah. from artificial spun content. I promise you, over time Google will catch on to you and they are working very hard to ferret this out. And number three, I actually don't know what number I'm on on counterpoints, but you know, even the I was just reading the open AI, I believe it's the open AI people. Uh, if I'm wrong about that, you can correct me in the notes. They're working on ways to watermark AI generated content because to me, this is our chance to be prepared for the real danger that's coming, which is deep fakes, right? Which is an AI generated video content purporting to be a lawyer, but it's actually the AI. And again, This AI is not general artificial intelligence. This is not like it's learning about, you know, the nature of the universe stuff and like taking over humanity. This is, as Conrad said, AI assisted learning from human inputs. And so there's still a big garbage in, garbage out aspect to it.
0: So let me pull two things out of that. Google has been very specific that AI generated content is a no-no. And they are working to identify that. The question is whether or not they can do that effectively. The other question I have from a very, very big perspective is, what if the AI-generated content is better than most of the drivel that's showing up? Does that actually... Why does Google care? If people are getting better content from AI, why would they push people to poorly written, overly legal, verbose content that's written by lawyers? See, again, you you have a couple big assumptions in there, like... Google doesn't want to push human-written, overly verbose, blah 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 either. But, uh, true, but what it like? So 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 use the example. Like, okay, you've got really good AI-written content or a bunch of garbage. Where does Google want to send someone? That what they're saying right now is they're going to send them to, to garbage.
1: What is yeah. what is good content, Conrad? What is it? Wow, are, are you a philosophy major? I am, uh, but but this is the thing, you know. Google keeps ju- just write great content and everything else sorted out. Well, you know how Google actually measures the quality of content. One way they measure it, whether or not other human beings
0: link to it. Yeah. Okay, so you're coming back to links. I get that. Okay, but let me let me say this. I am blown away by the quality of content that comes out. I
1: think can I can I clarify though? Yes. Aren't you blown away that it almost passes the Turing test where you're like, you can't tell it's written by a machine. That's what blows you away. Not that the content is like the best content you've ever seen. You just
0: can't believe that a machine wrote that. So so let me, this is going to tie right into my next point. I can't believe it that a machine wrote that. It is, it is, and if you don't believe me, like go play with ChatGPT and it, it is amazing. What's more interesting to me, and I think is doable, you, you talk very accurately about can we give legally accurate information through AI-driven content about the you know, nuances of the law in Wisconsin? No. But the whole point of ChatGPT is that it is learned from feedback and input. So the key here, Guy, the thing that really blows my mind, it's not just that a computer can write stuff that really looks like a human wrote it, But when you're talking about the accuracy and the nuances of accuracy, for example, I want to write about divorce laws in Wisconsin. Is AI going to do that on try one? Absolutely not. But one of the geniuses of ChatGPT is the human input that allows you to shape what that looks like. And so I've messed around. I spent all weekend messing with this. And I certainly had it write a couple articles for me that I was like, you know what? You're off. You're missing the point. And through feedback, I can change not just the content and the specificity of the content. I can change the tone of voice, the type of language that is being used. And you can really, really iterate this towards accuracy. Now, frankly, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't read stuff before it goes live. But the same is frankly true with a lot of the the legal writers, right? So a lot of the time we, we put out content and I always tell my clients, like, Look at this. Make sure that this is correct. This is no different and the iteration just happens via AI and computer as opposed to going back to someone to have that it. So again, this is why I am blown away by this technology. Well, I, and I so when you're talking AI assisted
1: publishing, I think no question it, has, it play it's going to play a big role in that. I think it creates a couple other interesting things. One is is that we live in the search world and in the search world for many many years people have been like google search results suck you know google has dominance because they were the best early on they built brand they captured market share and they pushed everybody else out and google's a verb right but most people that use google they don't actually like they're not looking at search results every single day they're not doing all the analysis of actually what's showing up. They're not looking at the intersection of links and content changes and yada, yada, yada. But I'll tell you this, for the first time, the Google kind of skepticism about results seems to be becoming more mainstream. And as it relates to the AI thing, I think this only makes that worse. I think people are like, I can't tell now. If I go to Google Am I getting something written by a human being? Am I getting something written by AI? I mean, the same thing's gonna be true with major publisher sites, unless publishers take a you know very clear policy stand and saying, hey, look, we're only having human publishers on our site. I think the same thing's coming with video, but it's going to change people's viewpoint, in my view, of the written word on the web. And Google is going to be a part of that right? And which, which we already see, I mean, forget about even the AI thing for a second. We already see the shift towards people using social media as quasi search, right? Looking for yep. restaurants because, and the reason is because they tru- it's about the trust. They trust a recommendation from a person. They don't trust a recommendation from a machine. Let me counterpoint
0: this. Go ahead. This is why I believe that this is the potential for this to be super disruptive to Google is very much there the potential for someone to start using a chat GPT-like experience to write content for themselves, right? So like think about, like we, we're we living in this, 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 our presumption is that I'm looking for X, I'm going to find the answer to X on some website somewhere. That's the, I've lived in this world forever. Like my professional career, I've lived in this world. What if it's different? What if the consumer behavior evolves to, I'm in Wisconsin. I'm getting a divorce. I have three kids. One has autism. The other likes playing soccer. They're these ages. I want to know how I should talk to my kids about separating with my spouse, right? Please chat GBT. Give me um, some guidelines on how to have that conversation, right? Think about feeding all of that stuff in and coming back with content that is not 10 things to talk to your kids about divorce. It is about you and your... And I mean, this is long-tailed and extreme, but it's a change in the behavior. I don't think that is impossible. I don't think it's even unlikely at this point in time. Your own personalized Google. You create your own Google. Right. And so when you talk about trust, do you trust a computer? Do you trust Google? Where does that trust come from? I don't know that you trust a Google search result that is going to a bunch of content better than another computer set. But you trusted,
1: let's use your example for a second. If you do the search and you've come to a a just blue link for a second, let's not talk about business logo for a second. You come to a blue link about an answer to your question and you come to that page. The trust comes from, part of the trust, I mean, one is what's written, but let's just say that that's a wash at best. Maybe the AI is even better at the actual written word. But you trust because you're like, this is a human being that I'm going to talk to and hire to deal with this issue. That's where the trust comes from. When I go to, when I read, when I'm, I'll use, I'll give a shout out to Bill Marlar, if I'm doing a search about a listeria outbreak and I come to his page and I read his article and then I go read his bio, I'm like, this person, this human being has yeah. spent his entire career. That's what I trust. Now, if it's, if that's, if, if what if happens when it's like, well, Bill Marlar never even wrote this? Right. Right,
0: but it's it's who? Where's this coming from? But most, so I'm going to go back to your point here. Most people don't know who Bill Marler is, right? When they're looking for issues that he covers, right? But I'm talking about we're we're talking about now. You're already there. You're on his site.
1: You've read his article. So so now you're 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 vetting. You're vetting the author. Okay, that's what I'm
0: saying. You're, You're vetting that. My bias here is that the desire for customization and depth of personalized information. It's very hard for search to replicate that. It's very hard. It's very hard even
1: for a human being to replicate, right? Like take your example. Even I mean, even Bill Marler, he's not writing blog posts that just speak to the very specific person who's dealing with a very specific listeria outbreak issue in you know Wisconsin that has right. you know two right. kids and blah blah right. blah.
0: Right. This is exactly my point. I think there's there's a level yeah. of personalization that you can get out of a Chat GPT that is unprecedented right now whether or not that's true is a question right but now we're going to get super philosophical (laughs) because it's like
1: because now you're into like even if it's wrong and it's written by a computer do you care because it's telling you what you want to hear well
0: are are we going to cycle back to the echo chamber of social media
1: well, isn't it potentially creating an opportunity for at least a filter bubble? Because I, again, I don't know how all this, I'm not an expert on any of this stuff. So I don't know how the, uh, the corpus that's being used, can you select? Can you be like, only show me, you know, only include
0: these sources in my chat GPT learning model? Well, <laughs> the thing that I think is more like today practical for us is does this impact SEO? How does this impact SEO? Content? Yes, it does. I mean. Google has been talking about, like, the reason I know Google thinks about this a lot and, and frankly, looks at this somewhat existentially is they've started talking a lot about AI driven content, right? And how they do not like it.
1: Right. To me, again, it's just another iteration of the arms race between the spammers, right? That's all it is. It's like it's unique article wizard on super steroids. When it comes to actual results, right? Google's, still, Google's like, I don't want to crawl. It's against the guidelines. I don't want to crawl it. I don't want to rank it. If I can avoid it, I want to penalize it. But that's the same that's true for human-generated spam.
0: This, the philosophical question that we're coming up here is, is this content so bad that it's just spam?
1: Well, it's, again, uh, even if it's quote-unquote good, which, again, it's like, what does that even mean? It's against their guidelines. So from their perspective not trying to keep it out of the
0: results totally that to me is the red flag it's against google's guidelines and therefore that my my take on that is that means google is scared of this thing right i think that i think there's truth to that and the question that comes out for me is and there've been no studies on this so far can google really detect ai and every single seo who's trying to make a mark on the world is going to try and answer that question with the definitive study on ai generated content beating google can google algorithmically detect paid links yes and no, right? Right. right. The answer is yes and no.
1: Well, algorithmically without more, maybe, maybe. It's a good question. Anyway, great conversation. Let's take a break.
0: And now it's time for the Legal Trends Report Minute brought to you by our very good friends at Clio. Today, fewer than 30% of lawyers work exclusively from an office, and 49% say they prefer to work at home. Only 49% prefer to work at home. That surprises me. As legal professionals embrace more flexibility in where they work, the boundaries between professional and personal life have blurred. Today's lawyers need the tools and resources that can help them stay connected to their work, no matter where they are, while also helping them disconnect when they need to. We talked about the need to disconnect last week in terms of mental health and happiness with career and profession so find some time to disconnect and find reasons to put your phone off go let chat gpt answer your phone (laughs) (laughs) this legal trends report brought to you by chat gpt in conjunction with cleo so take some time off right
1: yeah, I mean, for me, again, I think the thing that came out of all of this is the flexibility part. I think we prove to ourselves that we can work in different ways, and um, whether it's hybrid, whether it's early, later, asynchronous, video, where video works. But remote is not a substitute for in-person interaction in
0: most contexts. Learn how cloud technology can help lawyers balance work and life by downloading Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com slash trends. That's Clio, spelled C-L-I-O dot com slash trends. All right. Uh, We did get some feedback. You know, usually we like to give a shout out to
1: folks who leave us testimonials or reviews or say something nice or mean or indifferent. And please do continue to do that at hashtag LHLM or wherever you consume Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. But this episode, we're going to give a nod to the, you know, I was getting emails from people about the Veterans Day episode and how we talked about stock content, thanking veterans and stuff. And wow, a lot of you felt seen because I got a lot of the, you were talking about me, weren't you?
2: And (laughs) um,
1: funnily, interestingly, somewhat, it wasn't them, but I think that to the point, a lot of people are doing this. And uh, if you don't have any idea what we're talking about, go back and listen to that episode. But I do appreciate people reaching out and indicating at least that they listened to the episode. So do leave us comments on YouTube, Apple Podcast Reviews, or just generally troll us wherever you
0: are. Mastodon or Mastodon. Yeah. All right. Speaking of things that are a little bit out there, Guy and I have been talking a lot about the lawyers who are actually distinguishing themselves. And this started as a conversation around professional photography, but it really has evolved into the theme of, you're not just a law firm anymore, you're a media company, right? And so I said to Guy when we were planning the show, like, all right, well, now we're gonna offend every single one of the listeners. We haven't done that yet. So I'm, I'm glad we checked that off the box for this episode. But Guy, what do we mean when we're talking about law firms being a media company? I'm not at Disney, am I? Yeah, I mean, I think we've
1: been kind of like indirectly suggesting that lawyers be media companies for many years. And I think that the this segment was born out of a combination of things. One was we wanted to give folks some tactical examples of like, who are some of these lawyers who have really jumped two feet first into transforming into a media company, like really putting their media first I mean, maybe that's too strong to say. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's important to be a competent practitioner of law. It's it's extremely important to deliver amazing client experience. But By the way, media plays a role in delivering client experience as well, um, which we'll, I think we'll talk a little bit about. But the other thing that kind of dovetails from this conversation about Google, right? So, you know, people are being skeptical of search. People are starting to say, you know, look, I'd rather get answers and information and recommendations from people I know, or from people that are like real people, not necessarily from like AI or spam or whatever Google's spitting back and fake reviews and stuff. And so, you know, and Google, we've talked about this before, uh, you know, Google's making efforts to change search results to make a more similar experience to what say TikTok and Instagram do. And so, this is really about like, look, I think we're finally at that point where if you're still a, I don't need to be worrying about media at all. I just do great work and people refer, I think your time, there's an expiration date on your practice. These lawyers that are, that are, and we'll show you some examples and talk about some of these examples, when you see what they're doing, and it's not just like silly dancing, it's a totally different prioritization of media as part of their practice. It's not, and it's not just the lawyer, right? Because you know, a lot of lawyers we talk to, they'll come to us and say something like, well, you know, I know I need to be on social media. I know I need to write some posts. I know I need an email newsletter. These lawyers are like, yeah, that's like so basic. You have to really dive in and embrace that you're a media company that happens to practice law. I think that's kind of the conversation here.
0: And so we talked a lot about brand affinity and using, so so this is an evolution of that, using yourself generating content to build brand affinity is what we're talking about here. The other thing that I found is, you know, everyone, I had, I had a great conversation with a lawyer the other day. He was talking about like, everything's on Google. We just need to dominate Google. And you're right. Right, if you're a big law firm and you can win the Google game, and, and by the way, we do this for most of our clients. Right, we're winning most of the time in pay per click, but we all know how expensive and, and cutthroat that is. We all know how cutthroat SEO is. Right, and they're hard. And yes, the majority of the business goes through that for now. Right, the majority majority of business. I don't is think going- so. I don't think so. Okay. I, I, so, so I, I'm not so convinced
1: that the majority of so think about that here's an easy example. So both Clio's Legal Trends report, the uh, martindale avo uh, survey and the Thomson Reuters survey all suggest that about half of all legal services searches are searches on their own. Like they're not going to a place where like they're doing like a either a, a search or they're looking at like a directory or blah blah or an ad or something. But even in that group I think a lot of those people, even if they're starting their search, even if it starts at Google, you're getting a lot of like, all right, I'm going to see, am I mutually connected to this person on these other sites? Does anybody else know them? I'm looking at a review. Anyway, I I just ranted longer than I intended. I'm not so sure that the lion's share of legal services consumer journeys are search, click, call, hire.
0: You're saying it's not single-threaded. That's right. And I, and I don't disagree. Like that direct response where it's one search, one phone call, one hire is becoming decreasingly it's a, common. It's a part of it. It's a part yeah. of
1: it. No and, and those and those are, don't get me wrong. The best pushback to that point is, well, yeah, but look at the conversion on those, right? Super yeah, yeah. high intent. Yep. Uh, and again, yep. I love search. But if you're talking, even in the context of the conversation we just had, if you're talking about where the market's going, You're renting space in their heads because they're watching you on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever, and they're thinking about you. That's what the brand building is happening.
0: So what I am seeing regularly is the firms that can't compete in pay-per-click or SEO are winning outside of those channels through social. I'm not saying that the biggies can't win outside, but... The little ones, the smaller ones, the more aggressive ones, the scrappy ones, they have to because they can't play in the pay-per-click game. They can't play in the SEO game, right? And so there's been an aggressive adoption of this media company approach, which is designed to build awareness and affinity, which we talked about last session among a local population to turn that local population into your referral source. And that is amazingly effective. One of the interesting things that we have seen, and this is where the genesis of this segment came from, was the continued employment of professional content development employed by law firms. And this hit me across the face, a post from Ryan McKean. He runs a PI law firm, and he wrote about his holiday party Think about this. Answer this question for yourself. How many of you have hired a professional photographer for your holiday party? Nobody, unless your name is Ryan McKean. Hiring a professional photographer for our firm holiday party so people can put their phones away and get amazing pictures is how we roll. This was the same exact comment that I had. I did an interview with a guy named Dean Blatchford. He is a tax attorney out of, I want to say Ottawa, and he, he does this celebrity baseball game. And every, he says, every year I try and make this better. It's a charity baseball game, blah, blah, blah. And he said, this year, the way I made it so much better, and it was such a good use of money, was to hire a professional videographer. And so they now, he literally is bringing someone whose entire job is to replace people holding their cell phones out, but to create and then post-produce amazing, amazing content for an event, right? right. We're seeing this more and more. And they have turned into media companies.
1: And it's even, it's even more than just the hiring the professional photographer. And I'm going to use Ryan's firm, again, as an example, and you can follow them at CT Injury Lawyer on Instagram. This is where I'm pulling this example, but I think it will really resonate. I'm just going to read the whole post here. And so it's a video post of one of their colleagues talking about, I think she's a remote worker that's joined their team. And this is, this is what the caption says. We had our annual a- Oki OK Awards this weekend, and this year felt extra special. This was our first year we had two remote employees from New York and Alabama join our team. We are so grateful we were able to make it possible for both of them to travel and join us here in person for our holiday party. Hear this message from her story. This is what this company is all about, building relationships, sharing the love, and having a gratitude for one another. And the video is of this team member talking about how awesome it was that they flew her out there, put her up in this hotel and blah, blah. That's thinking like a media company because it's not just about, and in fact, she's actually holding her phone recording this video. This isn't even a professionally done video, but this is embracing the idea of your firm is a media company. Everybody at the firm is understanding that it's not just a, you know, we're lawyers in an office anymore. And this gets out in the world. And guess
0: what? I promise you, people that see this, they're going to remember it. Yeah. And this is exactly what turns people into, this is the type of law firm that I want to hire when I have to hire someone. It has nothing to do with top 10 things to do after you're hit by a semi-trailer, right? And so it is really fascinating for me to watch how a lot of these these law firms are really leaning on media and the exposure that you can get through the network effect of digital in order to, and I keep saying this, this maybe too much, but to turn your local market into a huge referral source because they have the affinity. And the media part of this is very, very real. With yep. the side note being, it's really hard to do a lot of media about the practice of law because, by and large, no one wants to talk about the practice of law. Now, I'm sure there are so, exceptions.
1: I'm so glad you mentioned that because... We'll put a link into uh, lawbymike.com. Mike Mandel, we've talked about him before. He does content. It's not even, you know, you say the legal content. On his site, Law by Mike, he talks about his practice areas, personal injury, criminal defense, sex abuse, victims, entertainment law. But if you go look at his clips on TikTok, if you go look at what he's doing on YouTube, his content is outside those practice areas. And then you'd say, well, why is he doing that? and it's because when people think lawyer they're thinking him because it's it, they're just connecting legal content and so you know i know we talked about this is but it's it's a great example of like the call it like the un niche you know we talk about positioning and being known for a very specific thing like the go to person for that well what if you're the go to person for law because people are seeing you creating this legal content and again It might be like celebrity divorces or, you know, the crypto scam stuff, but it's the legal aspect of it. And that's, those are actually like, you know, whether you want to uh, harken back to uh, David Meerman Scott newsjacking concept, but he's taking the news topics, putting the legal spin on them and then creating content around it that people are like, yeah, I get it. Now when I'm thinking law, I'm thinking law by Mike and on his website, he's not just positioning like Hey, I'm a personal injury lawyer. He's positioning transforming the process of legal advocacy. Contact Mike and his network of legal professionals across the United States.
0: Right. Okay. So this is really, really fascinating because Guy and I have been preaching forever you need to be a niche. You can't just be someone with a law degree who does a thing. And it's not just I do personal injury law. It's not just I do divorce. It is very, very niche. The more niche you get, the easier it is to stand out. However, this is the counterpoint to this. The Brand affinity that you develop is not because you're a divorce lawyer or because you're an estate planning lawyer or whatever it may be. It's because you're a lawyer. Think about the way you – step outside of legal for a moment. Think about the way you think about doctors. If you had a very serious issue or maybe a non-serious issue, you want to ask a doctor. And typically, that doctor doesn't do what you need, but you have that presumption in your head that they will – be because you really trust that doctor – they will be able to find the right person for you, right? They're a good starting place. In many cases, they might be a better starting place than, say, the search engines. And so what I find fascinating here, and we've definitely seen this in some of the secondary markets, where you build this brand affinity. We talked about, again, we talked about this last time, but through media, you build not just brand awareness, but brand affinity, and people come to you because you're a lawyer, not because you're an XYZ lawyer. And the, the clients who drive me bananas... Are the ones who complain about that, right? I keep getting all this all these increase for things that I don't do, and it's just a waste of my time. Well, you know what? That tells me that you do a great job, you have a great reputation, and that people are coming to you for things that are very important to them. That is a huge win, right? I'll flip that the other way. If no one ever comes to you for referrals, you might not have a really good brand recognition or brand affinity, right? Referrals, regardless of practice area, right? And this is a a very much a lagging indicator. But if you're frequently getting those requests for referrals outside of your practice area, that is because you have built up a reputation and a level of trust that should be guarded jealously and expanded as much as you possibly can because that is something that no one can take away. Right.
1: And I am want to give it because I want to be make sure that we hold ourselves accountable to giving specific examples. And I think we've talked about Attorney Tom before. Attorney Tom's YouTube channel, you know what his... The, the, right now, just pulling it up, the three, I don't know if it's sorted by most recent or uh, most viewed, but just to give you an example, personal injury lawyer in Houston. Video number one, lawyer reacts to Philly plant explosion, right? Not Houston. Blind man arrested for his walking cane 2.0. yep And did Taylor Swift end an era of high service fees with the RIP Ticketmaster stuff? This is thinking like a media company. Yeah. Forty two thousand views, forty two thousand views, forty-five thousand views. Now again, is this direct response? Are people that are coming in there looking at rest in peace ticketmaster being like, oh, I'm gonna now I'm going to uh call uh, attorney Tom because I know someone that got uh, in a car accident? Yo, know, maybe, but that's not the point, right? The point is is now attorney Tom is renting space in
0: those viewers' minds. Media company, law firm, you pick. All right, Gee. I feel like it's time for us to pop some popcorn, sit back, have a Coors Light, and prognosticate on Michigan's possibilities on December 31st. I'm in for a win on December 31st. And I'm in for a win on January 7th. I think it's January 7th. We should get together and watch. I know you've been going a lot to the games. I wish I had joined you.
1: I wish you had joined me as well. And maybe you can join me on January 7th because I'm planning on going to LA, assuming that we're going.
0: I think we're both assuming that we're going. We're we're both assuming that we're going. If anyone's in LA, Guy will buy you a drink on December 7th, January 7th. Sorry. There you go. Thank
1: you for listening. Really appreciate it. Again, hashtag LHLM feedback, reviews, and subscribe to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Until next time, Conrad and Guy bidding you adieu and go blue.
0: Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about
2: what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and
0: Instagram. Read the yellow. Ah, uh, thank you. See, I, I you, you give me a new job and I'm not, not read great the at yellow it. read the maze. I, unlike you, am not going to spell Cleo. If you don't know how to spell Cleo at this point in time, go cash in your law degree.
1: Dude, that's the official yellow. You can't mess with that.
2: I can't mess with you. All right. <laughs> we'll we'll see if Adam keeps it in or not. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at legaltalknetwork.com. We'll see you there.